0: Welcome to the
1: Resties,
0: a video game podcast about the. Oh, no, I forgot to put a new tagline. I forgot to put a new tagline. We're not using
1: last week any of the ones that we came up with last week, so maybe we'll just leave this one blank. I think you know it's a feeling. You know, it, we can't put it into
0: words
1: so much as you can just feel, feel it. What do you think about ba da ba ba ba? I'm loving the Resties. I like that.
0: I don't think we're going to get sued at all. And I like I think um uh break me off a piece that Resties podcast. Yep. What's your name? Hey everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frustick. Welcome to the resties. Uh Today, we are talking about a whole bunch of great stuff. There are so many great video games out right now that you will wonder why we spent 30 seconds riffing on slogans from famous fast food and snack chains. We have Forza Horizon 5. We have Writer's Republic. And that's just the first half. After that, We've got PlayStation Five and Xbox Series S and X. Uh, we're looking at them on their first birthdays. How did they do for the first year? Did anybody actually manage to buy one? These are the questions we'll answer. And are they or, walking yet? Are they? Oh, mm, I hope not. That would be. <laughs> well, I guess no. That would be good. That would be about right on track. Um, and, and as always, we'll talk about what else we've been playing, uh, and at the end of the show, we'll share our recommendations of the week. So just to start, Forza Horizon 5 and Riders Republic, they are both open-world racing games. Forza Horizon 5 is focused on automobiles, if you will, while Riders Republic is more, well, I would say natural, except for there's a jet pack in it, which I, I can't imagine is good Pe- for the People... It's, it's more people-powered. Yes, I, it's extreme yes. sports-based. Yeah. Um, and we will be talking about both of them. We're going to compare and contrast, like this is some sort of SAT uh, uh, essay, but more fun, right after this. Okay, so, Fresh, this is, this is my week. You know, it, do you feel, very, do you feel I, like very it's much it's my is. week.
1: Yeah, it should be noted you've also had you also had the rise. Uh, what is it? Tales of Rise weeks. So you've you've been a little birthday boy uh, for a while now. But I will say, even though I went into this week knowing what the assignments were, a little hesitant, I actually came out of it quite enjoying myself. So we're going to get really? into it. Okay. But. So wh- which one did you enjoy the most? Oh, that is a good question. Um. OK, I mean, we're I, this is yeah. encouraging already. I thought you would have an immediate answer and then I would. be OK, so I'll, I'll like... say where I'm leaning towards just mm-hmm. as a starting point. But I, I do think it's actually closer than you might imagine. The game that I enjoy most is probably Forza Horizon 5. OK, but I actually enjoy the minute to minute gameplay of Riders Republic more but there are things that Forza does much, much, much better than Riders Republic, even though they are, like, bizarrely the same game. Like, the whole trappings of both games is there's this, like, goofy, like, party in the desert or party in the mountains, and everyone's, like, rocking and roll. It's like, uh, whatever, Burning Man, but everyone loves their vehicles, and they all gather together to do a variety of races and stunts, in the middle of nowhere, in like an open-world setting. Both games have that as their trapping. So it's very bizarre to go back and forth.
0: Yeah, well, let's, let's start with Writers of Republic then, because I do agree that it has a bit more flaws, and then we can kind of like compare that to Forza Horizon, how it, I think it kind of remedies some of the issues with Writers of Republic.
1: And then maybe by the time we get to Forza Horizon, I'll be able to say it like you do, which is the proper Italian pronunciation.
0: Oh, I I hope that you reach that uh, that peak one day. Writers Republic for people who don't know, uh, which might be more people because uh, this is the sequel to a game called Steep that I loved. And is it the sequel? Played? I mean, it's not. It's a spiritual sequel. Sure. So Steep was open world; you could go wherever you want, and you could uh, change through all these different winter sports. Uh, You were on a whole bunch of mountains. Here, you are in a recreation of a over a half dozen national parks in the United States. So there are mountains. There are, like you said, kind of like desert areas. Um, and you can mountain bike. You can road bike. <laughs> there are more things than biking. Um, you uh, can, what is it, wingsuit. There's a um, wingsuit. there's You, you a can still pack. ski and snowboard. Ski, snowboard, yeah, Yep. Jetpack, all, all of these different things. And it's kind of a mishmash of Steep and then a game that I think a lot of people have probably forgotten called The Crew 2, which (laughs) is a racing game that let you change vehicles whenever you wanted. Oh yeah! So in this game, you could be a jetpack and then change into Animorph style uh, a, a person on a road bike and then just hit the pavement going like 150 miles per hour. Uh, it doesn't always end well for you. So, there's a lot of room for playfulness which they incorporate in the game at its best. The game is great when the playfulness is coming from the actual experience of play. Yeah. It is very bad when it is um kind when it's trying to kind of like conjure playfulness from what it thinks extreme sports are in 2021.
1: Yeah. So let's let's talk about just to to start at the positive. Let's talk about like a, an example of a mission or whatever a race that you think sure. matches that really well.
0: Yeah, so for like for me with the multi-sports races are my favorite. So that'll be like you against, you know, a dozen or so uh, AI characters that I think similar to Forza are based off of uh like friends on your your list friends on your list and how they play asynchronously so you'll be going down you'll start at the top of a mountain and you'll be skiing all the way down and then you'll get to the bottom of the mountain there's no more snow and you'll jump off some ramp and while you're mid-sky you will change into an off-road biker so then you'll be biking through the forest uh down into the valley and then, when you get into the valley, you uh, hit another ramp. And then, it, to get back up the mountain, you turn into a jet suit. And suddenly, you are just zipping around this landscape. And it's all v- close to seamless. There's like a kind of like a half a second goof whenever you switch things. So it, it doesn't feel like exactly like, uh, oh, your propulsion from one is going to the next. Yeah. Um, but, you know considering the magic of being able to do this in the first place, uh, pretty excusable. Yeah, that, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that works for me really well. I, I'm curious for you. Did you try any of the um, like 40 person races yep. or however many people?
1: Yep, I did. It's so the I don't know if it's always this number, but the one that I did was 60 people at once. It's like online, so they're all real players. It kind of reminds me of playing um, Fall Guys or something like that where you just have 60 people jammed into a very small snowboarding track and everyone's sort of bouncing around. So that was like goofy. I got, no joke, 58th place wow. in a race of 60 people. Like you would think, and I and genuinely tried, and I don't think I screwed up that much. And it made me think like, is it using, like do all these people have better gear than me? Or am I just like that terrible or I don't understand how the game works? Even though I got 58th place, I still had a lot of fun. Like, it was goofy to see everyone, like, bouncing around. I mean, I'm not that competitive in that sort of situation, so it's fine. I don't mind losing. I didn't have an urge to ever do that again. But it was kind of a fun, like, jump into something wacky. And I think that matches what you were talking about with the spirit of the game, like, feeling wacky. Um, And there were other, like, things, too, where you you know just just the things you unlock like by exploring the world you get like half of a wing of a plane that you can then use as a jetpack or i think uh you know there's like rocket skis you can unlock or skis made of like wooden sticks um so like that goofiness i'm really into uh i think it's now time to talk about the thing that was like the biggest turnoff for me is they Paired that with, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. With, I can only describe this as you know how in like GTA or Saints Row, there'll be those side missions where you're given like a a, a mission by someone that's like clearly meant to be a douchebag, like not a cool person, like an idiot. Yeah, they. This game is filled with characters like that. Like everyone you like that talks to you is exactly like that. But they are presented as, like, lovable scallions that are, like, funny and, like, having a good time when they say, like, yo, let's listen to some Toonskis, brah. And that is, like, every single character that you meet in the game. And most of those interactions are not skippable. And it they are just, like, just let me go back to the races, y'all. It shouldn't be there. So whoever, I'm sorry, but, like, whoever decided to inject narrative into this game really needs to go back to the drawing board because it is painful. It,
0: yeah, and it's not even that the choice to put narrative in it is inherently bad. No, no, it's you can do that well. Slang, I think Forza does it well, actually. Yeah, it, the slang here is... I, I I, truly don't know what happened. It, it, it's honestly hard for me. At first, I was like, oh, wow, they must have had somebody much older than even us write this. Yeah. Like some of the slang they're using... Early on, they referred to something as brand spanking new, which was outdated <laughs> when brand spanking new Doug appeared on Disney's One Saturday Morning when I was like, a kid. So I I, I I don't know who who comes up with that. And then my like, there's part of me that wonders, you know, Ubisoft games are made around the world, right? Like that there's sure. people making it in Montreal and there are people making it in, I don't know, a, Prague or, or wherever else. And I I wonder if it was made by somebody who isn't from the United States or even like North America and they were Googling
1: terms? Or like Yeah, there have been I, times where like there's been like a, a French-based development studio and they've tried to recreate American culture uh heavy rain is the example that yeah. i always think not not a ubisoft game but like that is a good example of like clearly something is not quite right about this version of philadelphia and this game kind of reeks of that it also reeks the, the writing reeks of just like you know they talk about first thought and how you should avoid just using the first thought every line in this game is like the first thought you would come up with for like how are we going to set up this mission Uh, just something totally half-assed and lazy and let's move on to the next thing because we have a ton of dialogue to get through and that's just like this the entire spirit of the game if it was skippable i really wouldn't care but it's not so i care and you have to listen to a lot of it um you know ssx which i think this game has a lot of similar dna to ssx and i love those games but SSX also, like, did a pretty good job of, like, not making all of the dialogue super painful. Who, who was it? DJ Atomica? That guy yeah, that would, like, yeah, pop yeah. on? And he was, like, goofy. But fine. Here, it's just just now. I, I, but thankfully, you know, you have the, the gameplay to fall back on. And the gameplay is quite fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I just kind of have accepted the visual aesthetic of, uh, I don't know what to call it, Fortnite chic. Yeah. It's like, oh, get it? You're dressed up as a mascot, but you're on skis. Can you believe it? A, a T Rex skiing. <laughs> it's like, I, I guess I can.
1: Um, I, I do want to take issue with that the specific thing. And this is a, a big time Ubisoft thing that they have really have a terrible reputation for. Whether you like the mascot stuff or not, um, it should be noted that, like, all of the relatively normal. Customization stuff. So, like you're wearing a shirt and well, you know, snowboarding pants and stuff like that, you can unlock just by playing the game and you earn currency and so on and so forth. Anything that's like out there and weird, like the T-Rex or like the giant giraffe or whatever, is all premium currency. It's all premium currency. And the fact that you have this game that you're charging 60, I probably $70 for the next gen version. And the fact that you are like locking people out from accessing the more interesting visual customizations, whether they're your taste or not, is pretty gross. And Ubisoft has for a long time been pretty gross with microtransactions. And this is just kind of one example of it uh, where you really should at I realize maybe not everything needs to be accessible through in game, but like you shouldn't lock all of the good stuff behind premium currency that just isn't cool.
0: Yes, I I agree. I So, I think the way to enjoy this game, for me, is to avoid the game of it all. <laughs> it, it, it is a big open world, and uh, pretty rapidly as you play, you do unlock all of these different modes of transportation. Yeah. And just going around the world, uncovering what it has to offer, which... The game kind of does gamify, too. And there are, like, um, monuments to be found and natural landmarks, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I had fun finding that stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, I think like, that, for me, is when the game is at its best. I, I guess I break a lot of video games down into uh, work games and weed games. <laughs> and I don't say, like, weed games, like, you have to smoke weed to enjoy them. Uh, but they they are games that are about kind of entering a trance sure um and i think like i i wish more games of this scale recognized when they were a weed game instead of a work game uh by work game i mean you know destiny where yeah. you sign on and it's like you have to do all of this stuff and we're constantly giving you things to like measure yourself by and this is not that type of game it shouldn't be in any way they've created this amazing gorgeous world that you can just speed through and that that momentum is the pleasure of the game and every time they get in the way of that momentum and slow things down often quite literally with those cutscenes, that really hurts it i think yeah. that actually can kind of help us transfer to ports horizon five which maybe threads the needle of work game and weed game better than any game in history uh, has, has done that. So Forza Horizon 5, the way this one works is uh, where Riders Republic was a lot of uh, human-propelled uh, extreme sport vehicles or devices or whatever uh, in the uh, the national parks in the United States. Forza Horizon 5 is automobiles, uh, gas and electric powered in Mexico and uh, all across it. Uh, it is a massive massive map not one for one obviously but quite large and it is filled with cars and trucks and, and anything that moves on the ground outside of i guess aren't motorcycles um oh yeah Are, there aren't motorcycles in the game you race i saw against some against them but i don't yeah. think you can drive any okay maybe a dlc yeah I, don't, I i think that was how they did it in previous sports horizons too yeah. Um, so, when I, I mentioned like this being a work and weave game, what I mean by that is this game, after the first, I don't know, two hours, just lets you make it whatever you want. There are so many things to do in this game. So many variants. There's an arcade mode where you can do all sorts of silly stuff. There's really intense, almost sim-style racing. There's off-road racing. You can go and collect cars. You can set off speed traps. Uh, There's just gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of stuff to do. And if it'll be anything like Forza Horizon 4, they will be adding stuff to it for years. That'll just keep going. So if you want to make this a zone-out game... It is one of the most beautiful open worlds ever created, and it will accommodate that. You can just zip around it. But if you want to make this a work game, holy moly, will it let you do that? Because every single car can be upgraded in a gajillion ways, whether that is like actually tuning it or giving it these um, XP-based upgrades. So that you could sink hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into this video game.
1: Yeah, that's about right. I am very selective in terms of the racing games that I get into. Usually it's just, I mean, in terms of car racing games, just Burnout. Like Burnout Paradise, Burnout Takedown, Burnout Revenge. Those were like the only racing games that I really got hardcore into. And I even played a little bit of Forza Horizon 4 and liked it, but there was something, I think the intro, the beginning of it was after that like first race where they show you a bunch of different cars, kind of slow for me, where yeah. I felt like I was kind of tottering around a very small area. The setting is the weakest of the bunch, too. Yeah. Whereas this, the setting is really quite remarkable. You, you've you got like volcanoes, and you've got the deserts, and you've got like beaches, and- and, uh, Oasis, Oasis, jungles, <laughs> jungles, um, and it's, uh, amazing. But also I think the pacing of it is very smart because they do, I think, give you a lot more freedom earlier on than the last game did to, to go off and do whatever you want. I will say like, it was a little intimidating and it took me a couple hours to like, even know how I wanted to play the game. I, I remember early on, I like started a race and it was like, what car would you like to use? And I just picked the, my, the, you know, they had showed all the cars in my garage and I had like 12 of them and one of them had the biggest number. So I did that. Oh no. And, and I did the race and uh, I think it was 12 racers and I got 12th and it was not even close. And what was even more infuriating is that I could see your little drive avatar in the distance just like mocking me because it was so I I almost got laughed. It was like that bad because I picked a (laughs) McLaren on like a wet road in a tiny, like tight turning race. Oh no. It was just the worst possible thing. And I was like, okay, maybe I should start paying attention to like all wheel drive versus not off road versus not maybe like, you know, stuff like that. So once I sort of learned the game, it got much more approachable and enjoyable for me.
0: Yeah, here's my advice for people who are listening and you're like, hey, I don't normally play this sort of thing, but I think I'm going to give this a try. One, you should, um, because you can fine-tune the difficulty, everything down to like actually slowing down the speed of the game uh, to make this playable. And also, there is a vehicle for you in this game. So, the McLaren, if you're new to this, not for you. Yeah, um, but if <laughs> think about it. Like, what would you feel comfortable driving if you were just starting? And that gets you a lot closer. So, an all-wheel drive, maybe something like a, a rally car with um, that's not a drift car. It'll say if it, it if it focuses on drifting, anything that has good handling and uh, is going to kind of stick to the ground, because that I'm sure is what you ran into. Is that yes. when you drive the a McLaren or a sports car? If you're not constantly like basically one letting off the gas and then two very, very, very delicately turning and fluttering the brake, you
1: are. Yeah, no, I wasn't doing that. You're spun out everywhere. It's also the other tip that I have for people is, and this is kind of a weird Forza thing. So maybe you can explain why they do this. The shittier the car you like, if you pick a shitty car, so like a a whatever, a Ford truck, like beater and you bring that into a race all the other races racers will also use that shitty car and the races get like way easier um i don't know if they use literally the same car but well, i so, think they uh, do in, try in to in the match same category, her category, so, category category yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah i i i yeah that that sounds
1: about right um i mean i it, 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 What was good about it is that after I had that awful McLaren experience, I like dialed it back. I picked like a B rank car or a C rank car, whatever I earned back my confidence by like totally creaming like six or seven different races in a row. And then I was like, okay, I think maybe I can try an a now. And I like started dipping into harder cars. And like, that was kind of a more welcoming way to do it. I do almost think that there might be, there should be a little more direction for new people like that because it is overwhelming to just kind of guess. But maybe if you're listening to this and you think you're going to try it, let me be your direction.
0: Yeah, and the the other good thing about trying this is now you can, like, switch your cars on the fly. You're constantly getting new cars.
1: Oh, could you Um, not do that
0: before? I I believe you had to go. I could be wrong here, but I believe you had to go back to, like, wherever a event center was to change them. Okay. Or you had to like pay for it in like in-game tickets. I I, I it's been a while since I, I, I played The Last One. Yeah. Round. Um but yeah, I, I I this game's on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, I would give this a download. Again, try like three or four cars and just zip around the world. You do not need to go do races. Yeah. The way that you will find out if you if you like this game, if you don't like this genre, is just by zipping around. And then once you feel comfortable with it and you're having fun just doing that, then try whichever race sounds appealing to you. A lot of the early ones are kind of designed to feel like Fast and the Furious type of stuff. So they're like easier and a bit more playful anyway. But for me, what I love about about Forza Horizon 5 and the Horizon series versus just General Forza is the way it feels... I don't know how to describe this very well. The, you can feel the ground underneath you. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like I, yeah, feel, I, I really feel like Yeah, I guess cuz you're off-road
1: more so you feel like the the shakes of the
0: Yeah, and all the different textures like if I'm off-road yeah. or if I'm going through water or it's like a slick road. I I always I don't know. It, it it's it's weird how I I know I'm not literally feeling it, but something about it um oh, I'm I'm blanking on the term where you like mix one uh, sensation with another where like I'm seeing it but I can feel it somehow
1: synesthesia
0: yeah like like I, there's like a synesthesia happening uh, where I just I really feel the ground in this game in a way that I don't in most games where I don't think that's a thing that they even care about
1: um, yeah I think I think the physics are spot on which is part of the reason you feel that way and then obviously there's rumble and, and uh, visual effects as well when you're going over gravel or through water. Uh, There's a mission where you like take a rally buggy up the side of a volcano as it's exploding. And like just the like, what is that called? Shale or whatever. The like just uh, crumbly rocks up the side of the volcano like feels genuinely different than just like a dirt road or a desert or something like that. Um, And I, I just like that they add, narrative to to races or missions that like make me care more you know when people fawn over gran turismo or even the like main forza motorsport series i find them like dull as dishwater because like you know i'll find a car that i like and i just want to drive that so the idea that i can like tweak the horsepower to give me six extra whatever doesn't do it for me i need like a little more and horizon series has always kind of given that
0: yeah, it's also just
1: really fun to get in a very,
0: very fancy car and just go bunny hopping across the hills, crashing yeah. into cacti. Like, yeah, feels good. Hey, are you ready for a segue? Oh, yeah. Forza Horizon 5 is the most beautiful game on the Xbox Series X to date.
1: Uh, That's probably true. I'd, I'd say
0: that's true. And that is why we're going to talk about the first year, the first birthday of xbox and playstation right after this break okay so do you do you want to kind of steer the ship on this one I'm, i'm sure i'm curious where your head's at
1: well here here we are so we are now a year into the life cycle of both the xbox series x the xbox series s and the PlayStation 5. I think mostly we're going to probably be focusing on the Series X and the PlayStation 5 just because the S is sort of a different thing entirely. Also, I haven't used it, so I, I don't feel comfortable really speaking to it. Um, but I kind of wanted to just go and take a look at both of these consoles and see how they've done in their first year and whether we think they are f- succeeding or failing or whether one is doing something better than the other one. Um yeah, I mean that's more or less it. So uh why don't we just start with the most obvious area and that's games. Uh what which of these two consoles seems to be having the better game experience so, in terms of releases? I, I think like Sony seems like the obvious answer, right? Because they have exclusives. They you know, do they have, have exclusives, have yeah. Ratchet Xbox. And Plank. S- um, still doesn't have any, correct? Uh, in terms of Series X exclusives. Well, I, I think I think uh, Flight Simulator might be exclusive. No, I'm, not sure. I'm pretty
0: sure it's not. i I think it's on Series S as well. Oh, sure, right. but I don't think it's on the old consoles. Oh, that might be true. Um but I, I think like, yeah, Sony has had releases that feel even if they aren't technically exclusives like um Spider Man Miles Morales, that feel but like they've ha- ps5 games and then they have and they have had true exclusives as well like
1: i'm sorry returnal and uh uh, ratchet clank as you said true those were like true exclusives
0: yeah so they've had those games that said i xbox still has game pass which continues Mm -hmm. to just feel like a huge advantage (laughs) and while. um While maybe Forza Horizon 5 is technically available on the other consoles, Forza Horizon 5, by every definition, looks like a next-gen game. Sure. When you're playing it on, you know, an Xbox Series X. Um, Microsoft Flight Simulator certainly looks like a a next-gen experience. Um, It's, you know, it's breathtaking. That said, I don't think either of those games are the traditional things people think of when they think of big next generation entertainment, right? They think of, oh God, what an awful phrase, but they think of, you know, big properties. They think of God of War. They think of Halo Infinite, which, you know, is about to come out. But because of that early preview a year ago, I think now
1: kind of doesn't have the cachet of being a next gen game. Um, I mean, and it's also multi-platform like it is yeah, and it's to, multi-platform uh, original Xbox one and and PC and everything. So it seems like I think for the fir- for a first year, I think the PlayStation five has done a good job of having those titles that kind of make you feel like you're justifying your purchase. The death loops of the world, the, you know, ratchet, the Demon Souls, uh, you know, even the PS five, you know, enhanced games like Miles Morales it does feel like those have been there. Whereas on the Xbox, for me, I treat the Xbox Series X mostly as like a PC gaming alternative and at $500 for a very, very capable uh, gaming device, you have a lot of options here that you would probably have to spend two grand to get a comparable gaming PC. So I think they are serving two different um, uh, goals. Um, I think PlayStation five is just like a splashier option and continues to be like, I think you could probably play a lot of the games that are, you know, series X games on even on Xbox one or, you know, a previous gen Xbox one or an Xbox, uh, got all the naming is terrible, uh, Xbox one X and have a pretty close experience. Whereas on the PlayStation five, I've played games that like, are very clearly could never ever run on a PlayStation 4. You know, the Demon Souls remake is the biggest one for me. Like that continues to be just awe-inspiring. Returnal also like really impressive. Um you know, I uh, but I agree with you with Game Pass. I you know, I don't think there's PlayStation is giving is offering anything that is remotely close to the value proposition that Game Pass does just cuz if you want to like stay abreast of games and don't want to spend a ton of money Game Pass is kind of an outrageous deal. Um, and every single month, there's been at least one game that was worth playing, if not multiple games that are worth playing. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's I, tricky. I, I, would pr- I think because of Game Pass, if we're including it, I would probably give the, the edge to Xbox. But again, Game Pass can be experienced on the last gen as well. And most of those games run great on the last gen. So... I don't know. I'm I'm yeah, torn. You know what? I'm going to change my mind. PlayStation Five games. Yeah.
0: I, I I um I think it's funny what Sony's actually doing though after this year, which is here they had some exclusives for PS Five. Yeah. And now they're like, no, no, it's going to come out on PS Four too. Uh, Horizon, you know, Zero Dawn two, coming out on PS Four. The new yeah. God of War coming out on PS Four. I think. I have to wonder if they realized. Well, people are going to buy this console no matter what because there's a shortage of it. So we don't have to use the exclusivity as an incentive. And two, I mean, I know that these um, these big games are you know designed at a cost to help them move consoles, right? Like sure. I don't know if all of them are big money makers. But at a certain point, like you do need some copies to sell, and there are just so many PS4s out there and so few PS5s uh, out there that it seems like the business part of it has kind of caught up to them, maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I would say like you mentioned, God of War, and you mentioned um, uh, Horizon uh, Forbidden West. Both of those games have always been PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five games. I'm sure they're they look a hell of a lot better and run a hell of a lot better on PlayStation five, but they were never presented as like exclusives for the PlayStation five. I do agree with you that they like, there might've been a time where Sony could have been like, well, actually they were now PlayStation five exclusives. Sorry. That is just the bet for the best of the experience. But it does seem like Sony is leaning towards Xbox's Microsoft strategy and just like, let's open the floodgates and get as many people playing these games as possible. And maybe they'll start playing them and be like, you know, this would run a hell of a lot. Like, who knows how Horizon's going to run on a launch PS4? Probably not great. And that might uh, sell a few consoles as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I wonder, uh, I mean, speaking of that, play it wherever, we're now seeing Sony put these games on PC, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. So it's like, I, yeah, I guess I PC has weirdly become the place, if, uh, especially if you're patient and you don't need to play it literally at launch, where you can kind of start to assume that everything will be there um, either on launch date for Xbox or, you know, maybe a year and a half later on uh, for all the PlayStation games. I, I yeah, obviously the downside is just the, to make that
1: the spendiness of like, you know, running these games on PC gets gets pricey, especially the higher end next gen games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the trade-off. I like the brainlessness of console gaming insofar as like, you know, it's going to work. You don't need to update graphics drivers. It just works. But obviously there's the downside of, you know, it might not look as great. And, uh, sometimes it means having to wait for those console patches to come out.
0: Yeah. I, I have a question for you. When we talked about these consoles, uh, you know, a year ago, you loved the PlayStation
1: 5's uh, triggers. Yes. The adaptive but, well, or
0: haptic triggers.
1: Yeah. Well, let's... It, we should check the tape. So it, it, I did not Oh, know. you loved them. You you, were you okay, a fine, fine, you fine. gaga for them. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The thing that continues to amaze me about the PlayStation 5 controller and kind of makes it leaps and bounds better than the Xbox controller in this one particular way is not the triggers, but the rumble. The rumble in PlayStation 5 controllers is so much better, just technologically speaking. It feels more realistic, more naturalistic than the Xbox controllers. It made me wish... Actually, this is a good example. So I played um, Riders Republic on PlayStation 5, and I played Forza, obviously, on Xbox. Riders Republic, with that rumble, feels wild. Like, it really feels... You talk about feeling the road. You really feel the road with that rumble. I felt it on Xbox as well with Forza, but I could tell how much better it would have been with that rumble. Now, the triggers, you're right. Gimmicky for sure. I think developers have been very smart about using them occasionally uh, in interesting and good ways. But whenever there's an instance where like, I think they're overusing it or it becomes a pain in the ass, I just turn it off and that's fine
0: yeah that that that's where i was getting with it i i just had
1: immense i know you wanted to of, shove it in my face i get it it's, it's i'm just saying it's i was right you know what we were both no there. no i like look bug snacks if you take a photo in bug snacks and you like you could feel the click of the camera that's awesome i want more of that that's so i don't true. necessarily need to feel the weight of a heavy machine gun in call of duty but clicking the camera to take a picture of bunker count me in Okay, before we wrap the the segment, what do you think
0: people should do? Say they're they're getting into gaming right now, right? Yes. They let's say they don't even have a console because we do have quite a few listeners who either don't have any video game console, which if you're listening and that's you, thank you. I don't. You you mystify me and I adore you. <laughs> um <laughs> And then there are, I think, even more folks who have a Nintendo Switch but don't have anything like this. Would you recommend them getting a kind of like a mid-range PC, a ne- one of these consoles, so Xbox Series X, PS5, or uh, just, you know, going out and getting an old PS4, Xbox One?
1: Yeah. So if you have a, if you don't have anything, I would recommend a Switch. I think the Switch is like the best gateway console maybe ever. Um, the portability of it the fact that it works also on a tv the fact that the games are like by and large very approachable so switch would be my number one recommendation um if you have a switch and you feel like you want to like dip your toe into maybe more quote unquote serious games i don't really believe that but like you know what i mean like hard quote hardcore hardcore games makes me sick when i say it um I think the solution is probably buy a, either a Series S if you want to save a little money or an X if you want something that's going to last for like three or four or five years. Um, buy that and you buy Game Pass. Yeah. I think that like is such an easy option but for just like, I don't want to have to think about what games I'm buying. Game Pass is going to throw me three or four or five new games a month. And I'll try some of them and some of them I'll like and some of them I won't like, but it will help you develop a taste for what you're into genre-wise, and um, it lets you, like, check out a bunch of stuff. So that's, that's, like, that option. PlayStation 5 is, like, the McLaren option, which is to say, like, you better know what you're buying it for, because if you're just buying it because people really like PlayStation, like, are buying PlayStation 5s, you know, I think you will have a tough time justifying it, like... For these first couple of years, while the, we wait for these releases to come out, um, yeah, if it wasn't for Game Pass, it'd be a lot closer. I'd say it's six and one half, but because of Game Pass being an option, you know, man, yeah. it, it it really is uh, pretty good. And and Microsoft does not pay us any money to say that it is a you know you'll hear that from a lot of people. It is a genuinely really good thing, and I actually makes me wonder: will that keep up? I remember when Xbox Live. And games with gold launched 10 years ago, whatever it was. And it started out, and the games were so good. The free games you'd get every month were just like, you know, oh, Super Meat Boy. And like like, like big indies that I was really psyched about. And over time, those free games have really fallen off. And PlayStation Plus, plus same thing. It's very hit or miss in terms of whether the free games are good. Sometimes they're great. You know, Hitman 2 was free uh, a, a month or two ago. That's a great game. Um, but uh, I, it makes me wonder whether Game Pass will be able to keep up the pace. But certainly, you know, purchasing Bethesda is a good way to sort of guarantee that long-term.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the best shot it has at keeping the pace is, yeah, one, it's just going to keep buying studios, so acquisitions will help with that. Yeah. Two, the indie market is just huge and yeah. in need of money, so I think they just have more options to choose from. And three, look at Netflix, right? Netflix had everything until competitors came around. Yeah, and we haven't even begun to see the the start of competitors for Game Pass. And I know PlayStation has an option. It is it is not, not good, not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sony has yet to kind of make, especially that big commitment to, hey, we're going to release our big games day and date. It's telling that MLB the Show. A you know long time PlayStation exclusive launched day and date on Xbox Game Pass, yeah, which is just wild. Even if you aren't into those sorts of games, so yeah, I I, I agree with you all. Um, I agree with you on all of that. <laughs> um, I I certainly would not recommend a PC for a newcomer. Yeah, no. um, even though it has any number of advantages, it is yeah, it's just too much of a headache. Um, so I think that is it for, for that. It's been a fine year for these
1: consoles, but unlike anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like a normal, uh, year, certainly. Uh, and I don't know that it ever will. I, you know, this, this kind of bridging the gap between two generations has never happened to this extent before. And, uh, it's, it's very bizarre. But on the bright side, it means that a lot of people that don't have the new consoles get to play new games. So people aren't cut out.
0: Okay, so this is where we share our one recommendation of the week before we get into reader mail. Uh, I will keep mine brief. The French Dispatch, the new film by Wes Anderson. It is a collection of shorts um, loosely inspired by magazines like The New Yorker. Mm. Would you describe it as twee? Oh, I mean, why certainly I would say that's (laughs) probably it's, it's, you know, the first ingredient on its list of ingredients. Um, But what I really liked about it was it's about writers and editors and Mm. their relationship. Um, Obviously there are the stories that are actually in, in the short films, but between them uh, are these interactions between Bill Murray, who plays the editor of, of this fictional magazine and uh, all of his various writers. And I think that's where the heart of the film lies. I've seen a lot of people call the film cold, but I don't know. I really, really, really connected with it. And I thought it captured um, the the compassion that writers have for writers and, and the passion that writers have for their careers and their subjects. And I don't feel like I see that very often in film. I think when you see reporting and journalism in film a lot of the times it's like hard news you know it's um we're gonna all the president's men we're gonna break open this big story and it's not um what the majority of journalism is which is curious people asking questions about stuff they find interesting Mm -hmm. um, and sharing it with the world and i liked that we got to see that from somebody who is just an immensely talented director. Um, how about you? What, what, have, what else have you been enjoying this week that you'd recommend?
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, I wish I wasn't... It's really tough to, like, watch stuff at night. Um, yeah. Just because baby. <laughs> baby. Uh, so uh, we, I talked about uh, watching su- Succession, which I continue to absolutely adore. But um, I do want to talk about one other game very quickly, and that game is called Unpacking. Um, It is available on Switch. It's available on PC and it's on uh, Xbox through Game Pass as well. And uh, the premise is really just, you are unpacking a bunch of cardboard boxes in a pixel art apartment. Um, And each level is basically a year in your life. So it starts and you're unpacking your like childhood bedroom, basically, and you're putting toys out and stuff like that. And as it progresses, uh, that there's more challenges in terms of finding space for things and like it it I, you know I don't want to spoil too much but like as an example, uh, you move in. It's not explicitly ever stated, but you move into what is effectively like a single guy's apartment. Uh, you know, there's like neon signs on the wall and like weightlifting and a guitar that's, like, framed. It's, like, it's a dude apartment. And uh, it's uh, funny because there's just, like, no room for your stuff. So you're trying to, like, hang your diploma on the wall, and there's nowhere to hang it. So the only place you can put your diploma of all the options is, like, in a closet somewhere. So there's, like, this interesting narrative that happens throughout that game that's, like, very subtle there's no real dialogue. All you get is like a single line of like writing at the end of each level talking about like your vibe, like how you're feeling when this happened. And I find it very soothing, The great soundtrack um, that I've been listening to after I played the game. I, I've just been listening to it on Spotify. Uh, the soundtrack's really good for unpacking. And uh, if you get a lot of satisfaction of like just putting stuff away, and then my favorite part Throwing away cardboard boxes that are now empty. Ooh, man, that is my stuff right there. And uh, you can do a lot of that. So, uh, yeah, really dig it. Uh, highly recommend unpacking.
0: That sounds great.
1: Uh, so we got some questions from
0: uh, our listeners, and I'm going to go through those uh, before we wrap the show. The first one is from Lex who asked, what games would you recommend for someone who didn't play tons of video games as a kid to learn the basic mechanics while still having fun?
1: Uh, This game unpacking is actually really good for people that aren't necessarily like, quote unquote, gamers. Uh, So that's definitely a suggestion. If you want to if you I had mentioned this in a previous episode, but I'll reiterate it here portal one and portal two if you ever want to like get into first person shooter games but feel very intimidated by like all the mechanics both of those games are like tremendous for that so i yeah, definitely recommend i, I also uh, think
0: um i mean you mentioned the switch as like the perfect uh entry space for video games the great thing about nintendo nintendo's own games not every switch game yeah uh, is that they really do work as um Step ladders into their genres. So Mario mm-hmm. Kart is a great entry point for racing games. Um, you love the Fire Emblem series, which I think is a great entry point into strategy games. Yeah, Splatoon is a very friendly and not super violent shooter. So if you want to try these different genres without, you know, jumping into the deep end, all of those games are 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 nice ways to do it. Um, this is a question from Tony. Do you think, quote, fun is the core concept of gaming, or do you sometimes sacrifice that in order for importance or artistic value?
1: Um, Yeah. uh, Wow. Uh, I do think... Okay. I would not call fun a core concept. I think it is a very common and important concept. I don't know if... I wouldn't say it's a required concept. I don't think every game you play needs to be fun. Every moment needs to be fun. Certainly... You know, Last of Us 2 certainly is not fun for a lot of it. Um, And I think developers certainly sacrifice what would be like a fun experience in favor of telling maybe a, a more important narrative beat. So...
0: Yeah, I would say that pleasure is a core concept of gaming. And quite honestly, like, all of entertainment. And that doesn't mean a thing can't be sad or mm-hmm. upsetting right um but there there is pleasure to be had in it so um if you look at like the films of michael haneke who made funny games these you know, some really uh violent and upsetting movies looking at his f- films is pleasurable right um and playing the last of us 2 is extremely pleasurable even though you're seeing all this horrific stuff, it feels very good. You want to keep playing it because it feels good and it looks beautiful. Um, And I think pleasure is the thing that the vast 99.9% of uh, art has in some form. Uh, Again, it's kind of a nebulous term. I just think in video games, pleasure also happens to be fun um, because we are we are voluntarily stepping into a virtual world, right? So if you're, if you're going to do that, you are doing it. uh, I don't say escape, like in the escapism escapism sense, but you're doing it because you are wanting access to something that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get in your real life In real life. Not hard to find a lot of like sad things or like menial things or work things, but it can be hard to, you know, get in a car and drive anywhere you want in Mexico.
1: Um, That is fun. Uh, yeah. I th- so it, I think for me yeah. if you're going to like your version of pleasure I think is just like interest like it needs a game needs to be interesting in some way. It needs to yeah. keep my interest. If it's boring whether it, not just for a game for any piece of art if it doesn't like spark my imagination or make me think or whatever uh, it's a failure. Uh complete and utter failure. So that's really all I'm looking for is like something that is trying to do something Some of them will be to my taste and some of them won't. Um, But at least like put yourself out there game wise and say like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to like actually take a stand and and do or say something that's genuinely interesting. Um, So it doesn't always have to be fun. Uh, A question about, (laughs) we're staying on the the smart
0: people stuff Uh, from Cactus Gurley. Is there any book book series that you would want turned into a video game?
1: And don't think about it too hard hmm uh man uh I growing up I I love the Discworld series uh Terry Pratchett uh, which is like a parody of fantasy novels uh, they've actually made Discworld games I've not played them um and I've I don't think they are like standout known as like spectacular releases but again I haven't played them so I, don't, I won't speak. But I do think that world is so rich that the idea of, like, a Skyrim, but in that world, would be pretty spectacular. Um, So that's what jumps to mind.
0: Yeah, mine would um, be—so there's this book called The Thousand Autumns of Jacob de Zoet, which is by David Mitchell, who did Cloud Atlas. And he actually is a uh, co-screenwriter on the upcoming Matrix movie. Mm. Um, But this book is—it seems at first like one of his more— I don't know. Not plain, but um not science fiction-y or not, you know, fantastical. It is set in the eighteenth century and it's uh on this like Dutch trading, I guess, inlet or island on the coast of Japan. And it's like very, very small, um, because they Japan did not allow the Dutch into the rest of Japan. It was a controlled uh port for trade. And And when I read that, I just kept coming back to the idea of how wonderful a setting this would be for a video game because it's such a unique environment. You know, it's like it it is a place between worlds. It's not Japan. It's not (laughs) Dutch. Uh, It is uh, its own little thing. And there's just immense conflict because of the skepticism on all parties and uh, each party trying to, you know, get the best of the other. And then gradually the book does introduce some of Mitchell's um, wilder ideas. Um, so yeah, that that is like a thing that I, I will never get adapted <laughs> into a video game, but I, I have always kind of dreamt would be getting that treatment. Um, uh, just very quick uh, answer for us on this one uh, from Spinosaurus, Dan. Uh, what's your favorite anime?
1: Um, it's Cowboy Bebop, which I talked about on a previous episode but if you're going to hold me to pick another one because I already talked about it I would say Samurai Champloo which is from the same creator of Cowboy Bebop uh, you mentioned you know uh, that era in Japan Samurai Champloo is actually focused entirely of that era of the outside world slowly sort of having its influence affect uh, Japanese culture um, and uh, sort of the death of that era of samurai uh, so super, super great amazing music awesome series
0: i've only begun to get into anime again in the last kind of couple of years i guess during the pandemic i liked it a bit in junior high but keep your hands off isaacin which i maybe i've talked about on the show which is about a group of uh, it's three uh, young girls in high school who decide to create their own anime creation club like they actually draw and animate anime it is so delightful, and even better, it's on HBO Max. So mm. you, if you are not the type of person who has Crunchyroll just yet, or in a, any you know Funimation, anything like that, this is a good way for
1: you to try a great series and kind of wet your appetite to the form. Um, before we move on for this, I do want to one quick mention. Uh, several resties ago, we talked about we were tr- struggling to come up with a good live action anime recreation uh in the context that we were talking about the cowboy bebop live action show that's coming to netflix um and people very rightly called out speed racer the movie is more or less the best example of an anime turned live action that anyone could come up with i certainly agree with that so uh well done everyone that suggested speed racer and with that um, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, specifically, uh, I know a lot of these people called out the Resties, which we really, really appreciate. It feels great. Um, Tiny Cuffs, New York Giraffe fan, Dwight W. Davis, Nickolas, Loss, uh, Josby, Abby Oaks, Red the Rose, Clay 3476, The Uncool, and Bernie, Sp- Bernie Sports, Bernie S. Ports, something like that um thank you uh, and thank you to everyone else who has written reviews that was a double length one because i know i forgot to name names the last time we did resties uh but we really really appreciate the reviews okay so here's what we talked about this
0: week we spoke about forza horizon 5 the car racing game and riders republic the bike and people and snow racing game we also spoke about the anniversaries of the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 uh, mentioning games like Demon Souls uh, and very briefly I guess Microsoft Flight Simulator, Ratchet and Clank, stuff like that Uh, we also spoke about uh, the French Dispatch and unpacking and got a few shoutouts for stuff like Portal and Nintendo games like Mario Kart Uh, and that that's it I mean, we talked about our favorite anime, you know, Cowboy Bebop, keep your hands off Isaac. And, and, you know, maybe I had buried uh, one bonus question here from Cuddly as a Cactus asking for my real favorite Criterion top 10. I'm not going to give that right here. That's so many things to say. But I will say a good starting point is the Night of the Hunter and High and Low. So maybe I do have an answer. That's Hmm. it. That's it for this episode. We did it. We did it again. It's another episode of the Resties in the books. Uh, because uh, taglines are hard I don't have really any way to outro this episode next week which is actually two weeks because that's the cadence we're going to be talking about something what is it? I don't know that's a great question maybe Battlefield? That maybe Maybe. you'll just have to tune in to find out um, otherwise I hope you have a wonderful week a delightful weekend after that and uh the holidays are almost here so get that uh holiday music playing hanukkah comes early this year it is a great time to be smiling we will see you next time